Good afternoon. You're listening to KTOO. I'm Yvonne Crumery. Thank you for listening. More than 100 people gathered in downtown Juneau Saturday afternoon for a rally to urge city and state officials in Alaska to support a ceasefire in Gaza. As KTOO's Clarice Larson reports, Juneau Assembly members are considering whether the city and borough of Juneau should take an official stance on the issue. The gazebo at Marine Park was packed as a crowd of about 150 people stood in the cold. They held signs and many wore the colors of the flag of Palestine. The residents were there to show their support of Palestinians amid the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. They also urged officials in Juneau and across the state and country to call for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza, where health officials say thousands of Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes. Nicole Church, an indigenous singer and songwriter, gave an impassioned speech at the event and was one of the many who called what was happening in Gaza a genocide. Make no mistake, there is a genocide happening right now in Gaza as we speak. According to the health ministry in Gaza, the death toll since the conflict began in October is nearly 30,000. The event, organized by Juno for Palestine, lasted nearly two hours. Multiple speakers shared stories and their views on the issue. Ernestine Sankathat Hayes, who is an award-winning Clinkett author and elder, said she often asks herself what she would do if something like what is happening in Gaza happened in Juno today. What would I do? Where could I go? What would we do? Where would we be safe? Our homes would be rubble. Our hospitals would be bombed. Where would we take our wounded loved ones to find care, to be safe? The organizer shared a citizen's resolution calling for a permanent ceasefire, among other requests to the Juno Assembly. The group previously offered the resolution to the Assembly at a public meeting last month. Only two Juno Assembly members were at the event on Saturday, Christine Wall and Paul Kelly. In an interview, Wall said she's appalled at what is happening in Gaza. There are so many people dying right now, and the U.S. government is um, participating in that. And it feels hopeless sometimes, but when you get together with your community, um, it's helpful to see how many people are in opposition to that. She said she is planning to speak with other assembly members this week to gauge whether they would support a resolution. To me, this is something that um, if enough people speak up in our community, communities across the country, maybe we can have a difference. Paul Kelly said similar, noting that he was inspired by the people who spoke at the rally, but worries a resolution that takes a stance could isolate some members of the community. Uh, before we, we do a resolution that, that speaks to, um, to, to how we as a community are taking a position, uh, I, I want to make sure that I'm not alienating um, any of my own constituents as well. Similar resolutions are being considered in cities across Alaska. The Anchorage Assembly is expected to vote Tuesday on a resolution calling on Alaska's congressional delegation to support a ceasefire in Gaza. In Juneau, I'm Clarice Larson. Governor Mike Dunleavy cast doubt on the future of a bill that would boost state education funding and implement other reforms on Monday, shortly after the Senate sent the bill to his desk. Alaska Public Media's Eric Stone reports. 
The bipartisan bill would increase the base per student funding to school districts by $680. That's the first substantial increase since 2016. It would also provide new support to charter and correspondent schools and offer funding to help young students struggling to read. Senate President Gary Stevens, a Kodiak Republican, said immediately after the 18 to 1 Senate vote that he was glad to see lawmakers working together to address the state's struggling schools. I think we've made major progress. I'm really proud of the fact that this House sent us a, a bill that we could agree to. And it's out, it's, it's done, and um, now we'll see what happens to the next shoe falls. He didn't have to wait long. Half an hour later, in a social media post, Dunleavy said the bill, quote, falls far short of improving outcomes for students. He said the bill fails to improve access to public charter schools, does nothing to recruit or retain teachers, and does not support the Alaska Reads Act. That's a bill aimed at early literacy that passed a few years ago. But Dunleavy did not say specifically whether he would veto the bill, and the governor's press office did not expand on his remarks. The bill includes a new appeal process for charter schools and an education department position tasked with helping districts expand charter schools. But it does not include a proposal endorsed by Dunleavy's administration that would have created a new approval process for charter schools. The bill also does not include a Dunleavy proposal that would have created bonuses of up to $15,000 for teachers. Instead, the bill has non-binding language instructing school districts to spend their increased funding on salaries and retention bonuses for teachers. The bill also includes funding to help elementary schoolers who are struggling to read. Responding to Dunleavy's statement, Representative Zach Fields, an Anchorage Democrat, says the bill addresses the governor's priorities. Just stepping back politically, I think actually everyone wins from the bill. Of course, most importantly, um, kids get more predictable school funding and smaller class sizes. Just three lawmakers across the House and Senate voted against the bill, and Field says that makes it unlikely that Dunleavy would actually veto the bill. Representative Craig Johnson, an Anchorage Republican who led the effort to pass the bill on the part of the House Majority Caucus, declined to speculate on whether lawmakers would vote to override a possible veto. So I haven't talked to the governor about a veto or anything else, so it's, uh, it's, in, his, it's in his ballpark. That's the way the system works. Uh, if he does wind up vetoing it, do you think the votes are there to override the veto? I'm not going to count anybody's votes. Despite the broad support, it's not entirely clear that lawmakers have the necessary 40 votes between the House and Senate to override. Senator Shelley Hughes, a Palmer Republican, voted for the bill on Monday, but said she would not vote to override a veto. Dunleavy has 15 days, excluding Sundays, to either sign or veto the bill once it's formally transmitted to him. Otherwise, it becomes law without his signature. Lawmakers say a veto or a delay in signing could delay the impact of a provision increasing Internet speeds at rural low-income school districts. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Eric Stone. And the Matsu School Board has decided to remove a romance novel from library circulation after complaints that it's inappropriate for children. The action Wednesday against the book This Ends With Us is the first decision on dozens of books the district's pulled from shelves for review more than a year ago. The controversy in the state's second largest school district arose amid a national conservative movement to ban books deemed offensive. The Matsu board voted 6-1 to one to remove the novel and sent 18 books to the district administration to determine what age restrictions, if any, should be placed on them. School board member Kendall Cruz voted for removal. And I also very much appreciate the transparency that none of this process was done um, in hiding and secret form. It is the conversations are had, they're recorded, they're published. The removed novel includes descriptions of domestic violence. A citizens' advisory committee created by the board last fall said the book glamorized abusive relationships. At public hearings last spring, people complained about dozens of titles, saying they were pornographic. 
That prompted the district to pull 56 books from school library shelves, then asked the committee to review them for obscenity. Many of the challenged books feature people of color, LGBTQ plus characters, a key point in a federal lawsuit Matsu students and their families filed last November. A spokesperson for the district said that the administration is reviewing the school board's decision. And a diesel fuel spill at a fuel storage facility in the coastal village of Guigilinguk now poses a threat to the Guigilinguk River, which feeds into the Kuskokwim Bay, according to the U.S. Coast Guard. Bernie Nowicki oversees spill responses for western Alaska with the Department of Environmental Conservation, which is also responding to the spill. The leading edge is probably 150 feet from the water. I can tell you there are concerns that the spill is not cleaned up while the ground is still frozen. During the spring melt, the product will mobilize and could run off into the waterway. The diesel fuel spill happened sometime overnight between February 7th and February 8th when a storage tank overflowed while being filled by a pump. Responders have raised the estimate of the amount of fuel spilled to over 8,800 gallons. Nowicki says analysis of the spill and cleanup efforts have been hampered by more than two feet of snow that have fallen in the village since Valentine's Day, as well as a lack of heavy equipment in the village. The five-member recovery team, is, they're going the extra mile so far with collecting approximately 1,400 gallons of fuel oil in some extreme weather conditions out there. It's all manual labor using hand tools for digging down in the snow and in ice cream, a collection pocket for scooping out the fuel oil. He says spill responders have been using absorbent material, small mechanical pumps, hand pumps, and a walk-behind skid steer for most of the cleanup that's happened so far. Additional mechanical is being mobilized from Anchorage to Bethel staging area. They had three follow-on cargo flights for delivery to the community. As of February 20th, operations brief, only one cargo mission was completed, and a lot of that's due to uh, the flying weather on that. Nowicki also says they're looking to try to transport a mini excavator and other equipment from the nearby village of Kongiganuk. At this point, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service don't believe there's a pressing threat to wildlife or marine life from the spill. Nowicki says the spill cleanup could extend into early spring, but that timeline isn't set. You're listening to KTOO.